All righty. Hey, guys, welcome to the Doctrines of Rad podcast. I'm Drew, and this this is Logan. I have to, it's backwards on my computer. So it's one of these directions is Logan. I assure you, <laughs> one of them is there. Both um, and. I'm both omnipresent. At already this and not yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, Logan, let's give you a little preface. So we don't normally do the podcast on Sunday nights, but today is September 11th. All right. 21 years after the attack uh, on September 11th, 2001. And uh, Logan and I are both military vets. We both have uh, have had some experience. So this uh, this day to remember has been uh, has a a level of importance, I think, that uh, that a lot of people I think a lot of people maybe our age can identify with, but maybe not uh, everybody. And so. Uh, Logan sent me a video that we're going to watch together. We're actually going to talk about it after we watch it, about a four minute video. Um, but I would like to just real quick, Logan, can you, um, give me some, tell me what, where, where were you? What happened? What was your yeah. experience? Uh, cause you're, you know, 10 years younger than me. So we've got a little bit of age difference, but yeah, 11, 11, don't, don't give me a year. You're 11 <laughs> years separate. I thought we were 10. Well, you're 42, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm 31. Lord Jesus. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah. So tell me about where. Sorry, where I had were a phone you call. on September 11th. Yeah, you were 10, uh, right? I was in the fifth. I was in the fifth grade, Amarillo, Texas Elementary School. Um, I remember going in. Everything was normal. Um, I got to. We would constantly rearrange seats. I remember, you know, mm. sitting there praying that the girl that I liked, I got to sit next to. I did not. Um, so that was, it was already a horrible day. I was like, oh, the next six weeks I have to sit next to this guy. Um, and then one by one, I saw my classmates getting taken out of class, just checked out, checked out, checked out. Really? Um, and I was one of the last kids still there. I was like, what is going on today? Our teacher would tell us nothing. I remember um, it wasn't Miss Paris. That was my fourth grade teacher. I'm trying to think of her name. Uh, I did not like this woman. <laughs> I uh, did not get along with her too well, but I remember her just sitting behind her desk and watching her computer. Um, and then uh, finally my mom came and got me and she said, we're under attack. <laughs> just like we hunkered down in her house and had no idea what was going on. Wow. Uh, but I mean, that's the only memory I have. Even I didn't really understand what was going on as a, as a fifth grader. Right. Um, and I, you know, I listened to your sermon today. It was very oh. good. Um, so you joined in 1999. So yes. You were already, you know, a service member when this all kicked off. You were in I Japan, was. right? Well, I was stationed in Japan. I was actually home on leave when this happened. Uh, is there? I had, yeah. Uh, no, I was in Ohio. So okay. this is prior to me getting married. I so let, there's a this is prior of, to Rachel or now. This is I knew Rachel, right? Okay. We were actually we were in the process of uh, getting to meet for the very first time. I flew, I had flown home on September 7th, okay. 2001 and Rachel and I had been talking, my wife, for those who don't know, we've been married for 21 years now. Um, we were, uh, we were planning, we're like, well, I'm going to come back from Japan. I got a little leave saved up. I'm going to come back from Japan and I'm going to meet you and, uh, we're going to meet each other's families. Cause at this point I had, I had proposed, but not officially. I had proposed kind of online. I kind of said, we're going to get married. We both kind of agreed that we were going to get married, but we hadn't met officially yet. 
Yeah. And, she had to uh, pray about it. She had to pray about it. Yeah. She's still <laughs> praying about it. Um, she's, still <laughs> she's still praying about it. Uh, so I, um, I was home and uh, I was in my mom's basement. I was sleeping because uh, that was where my room was after I left. You know, I, before I left for the Navy, my room was in the basement. My bed was set up down there at a TV and everything. And uh, she says every day she's still praying. Um, <laughs> we, um, what is up? Hey, Robin, how are you? Oh, scissor tail. Awesome. Uh, so I was down in the basement and uh, my mom in a panic yells down, Drew, we're under attack. I'm like, what? Mom, what are you talking about? Like, I, I mean, my mom is a little out there. I love her so much. I love my I bet mom. You were so like, I bet you're like, well, my leave's over. Well, I'm probably well, going to yeah. call tomorrow. <laughs> well, so, you know, I was a young, I wasn't even an E4 yet. I was probably an E3. And uh, mm. this was one of my first or second uh, times home on leave. And uh, so I go upstairs and, and I'm watching the, I'm watching the TV and I'm like, what is going on? Like, we're just everybody. I'm sure everybody was glued to the TV. You know, it was just, oh, yeah. uh, it was, uh, you know, it's kind of like the moon landing, you know, everybody saw it. And uh, so, sorry. My, you were there. That's my that conspiracy. One, right? Yeah, I was there. Yeah. For, at 42, <laughs> I watched the moon landing, 1968. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting the difference in age. Like, I don't think of anything between our difference in age right now at 42 I, and 31. I don't. 69, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, if if it actually happened, but yeah, I don't didn't. think I don't think it did. I know it totally did, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I don't think anything about the age difference until I realized that you were in elementary school and I was already in the Navy. Yeah, when September 11th happened. Uh, yeah. I was probably I was 20 years old, uh, but uh, my mom she yells down, "We're under attack, Drew!" And it's like, "What are you talking?" About? I go up and I'm watching the thing. Uh, and so my, my first thought is, well, I need to call my command. I need to find out like what they need me to do. I don't know what the, this is. All, this is new to everybody. Of course, I was 21. Thanks, babe. I see. This is why I'm married. Uh, I don't you know, I don't know what to do. But my first thought is I need to call my my boss at my my Navy boss and be like, do you need me to come back? And mm. I, I did. I finally got a hold of him. You know, it was daytime here. It was nighttime over there. And uh, I called Trina was 31. Wow. We got a large age range here. So um, I uh, I called and I'm like, hey, what's up? And they're like, don't go anywhere. They're like, stay right where you're at. Because I am, I mean, when I got back to Japan and I found out all of the chaos that was going on on the base at the time, it was, it was insane, right? Like yeah. they wouldn't have needed me as a young E3. They wouldn't have needed me. Yeah, Ashton didn't even exist. Uh, you did in the eyes of the Lord know. You, was it DEFCON yeah. Delta or whatever? Yeah, they went I to imagine. Delta. They went to Delta for seven days, and they were nice. um, they armed up like every every bus going off that was taking kids to school. Like it was crazy. It was chaos, utter absolute utter chaos. And uh, nice. so, in the midst of all this, you know, my focus is I'm getting ready to meet the woman that I think the Lord has given me to marry. Yeah. So in my mind, like that's like. Well, what is what am I supposed to do now? Like, is this the is this the Lord saying, "Don't meet this woman"? Yeah, I like that. I like the way you worded that. The Lord gives us women, right? Like, yes, <laughs> He gives them. They're, the Bible they're, says that he who finds a wife finds has found thing. a good thing. Yeah. So <laughs> it's me that doing the finding. All right. So just remember your place, ladies. Uh, 
<laughs> that's my wife in the, the chat, by the way, guys. So, um, my, long story by the way, short, my real quick, my wife watched episode sixteen um, yeah? on Spotify, and she's like, "I love him. He is hilarious." Oh. Yeah. Um, oh, I suddenly she, really love your wife now. Yeah, she's like, I really enjoy it. Like, I, for some reason, she just never had time to watch our podcast, but. Um, the conversation on marijuana, she was very interested. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Well, it was a good conversation. Speaking of which, I actually kind of have a little bit of an update for you on that. If you want to, if we can talk about that real quick. Uh, I, uh, I, it's been, I've just, I decided to, to cut back for a good while and, uh, it's been fine. It's been easy. It's been seven, it's well been about seven days, maybe six days. Um, things are going well. I've been sleeping good. So it's, that's a good sign, man. I mean, ultimately what I had said to you on the podcast still stands true. Like some medicines are good for, you know, for a time and a, in a reason. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the goal ultimately is to get healthy and get off of those things. Uh, and so in the midst of that, and plus, since I was preaching, I, I really wanted to just be clear headed this week. I just really wanted to be focused on the Lord. Uh, I wanted to, I also got some rough news on Tuesday regarding my health, which got me a little bit concerned uh, with some of my, where, where my levels were, my right. blood levels. So um, I think ultimately, you know, uh, abstaining from that, focusing on exercise, focusing on good eating uh, has been good. So I've, I've cut out all carbs. I've been carb free since Tuesday uh, and it's going good. It's, it's better than I had expected. I think it's different nice. because I'm doing it for a good reason. I'm doing it for like a, a health reason versus just like trying to make weight in the Navy, trying to yeah. like, you know what I mean? So there's like, a yeah, good there's no stress with it. It's just a, there's no stress. Just making a change. Yeah. yeah. Just making a lifestyle change, man. I'm cutting, I cut out sugars. Uh, I'm cutting out carbs. I'm just going to, so my goal with my doctors, I have three, three levels that are high. My A1C, uh, my, which is pre-diabetic, which is very close. It's all, they're all very close on the line of being high. Right. So they're concerning, but they're not emergent. So my A1C, my rheumatoid factor, uh, which is uh, rheumatoid arthritis, which I already knew that I had, but my levels were high where your body is basically destroying itself uh, with its arthritis and the inflammation. And then my, uh, my uh, uh, cholesterol levels were high. So uh, what I'm going to tell, I'm going to have, actually have a, a phone conversation scheduled with my doctor on Wednesday. And she and I are going to discuss, I'm going to present to her. I'm going to say, listen, uh, give me a month of this diet and exercise. I'm, I'm abstaining from, from carbs and sugars. Give me a month and let's see where my levels are at after a month. If they're still high, then I'm, I'm all about getting on some prescription medicine, but I really don't want to. What's your exercise like? Uh, I've been doing 30 minutes of cardio a day. I do, uh, Several push-ups, sit-ups. I do weights. I do uh, weightlifting. I I work mostly my arms and shoulders and some chest stuff, but uh, it's it, mostly the cardio is my focus. Gotcha. Uh, and I get on the elliptical and I and I get I make sure to do thirty minutes a day. Have you had your testosterone levels tested? I have not. When was the last time you worked legs specifically? It's well. I mean, I'm just starting into my routine, so I would say it's yeah. it's going to be you know I'm building a good routine. I'm starting to. Yeah. So legs is probably the problem with legs for me is my knees are shot. Yeah, dude, running. I I took my daughter on a run this morning or earlier today. Um, My, my knee just, it feels like it's just grinding bone on bone. Yeah. Yeah. They're shot, man. It's, it's tough to uh, (laughs) do that. Um, Everything for sure. 
Yeah, that's good. That's good to hear, though, that there's been improvement. I, I know we were praying for you, man. Um, yeah. Well, I, and I it's that, the anxiety issue, right? The anxiety of it. It's not even the health stuff. I feel still the same. You know, it's the anxiety. It's the worry. And uh, but the Lord has really given me a lot of peace. And I really I think that a lot of it was just the enemy's attack, man. Just just it was a week that I was going to be preaching uh, there. And it was the, the start of our young our young couples or our young adults group, the start of our weekly youth group. All of these things that I that I'm, you know, in place to do for the church in the body. And it's like, of course, of course, that's going to be the week. Of course, that's going to be the week that things go awry. You know, just like every Sunday morning, there's always going to be an argument before church. You know what I mean? Especially so, if you have kids and yes. getting them ready and yes. organizing. Just, yes. So, uh, the, Tom, uh, the service is good. It's actually uploaded to YouTube on the Doctrines of Rad. Uh, I put it, I added it to the playlist on the Doctrines of Rad. So, the today's sermon, you can anybody can go listen to it if you want to go listen to it. Just go to my the playlist Drew's Vids on Doctrines of Rad, and you'll find the video. So, um, and you can, you, I'm all open to constructive criticism. I, I, I truly am. Give, give me what did you, you got. post. You, did you post your uh, sermon on our our page? It is. It's just been shared from there from the church's YouTube. It's been shared to our channel on our playlist. Nice. So people have yeah. access to it. It was, it was a good sermon. Um, and Christina, thank you. Christine, Christine, Kristen, Christine, thank you. And our, I can't, can't remember. It is Christine. Christine, Christine, yeah. Kristen, Christine. Native girl. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. So to today's episode, um, I, I really not not to create an idol, um, as you talked about in your sermon today, that out of out of patriotism and. Um, you know, 9-11 and, and the event. Uh, but it, it, the idea is to just remember what happened. Um, it, it does have some significance. It changed my, my youth, right? Like, um, it changed a lot, dude. It changed so, it, right. So uh, airports weren't like this, right? Uh, you have movies of people running after the girl and she's about to board the plane and he's able to get beyond security to go and say, I love you, don't leave. That can't happen now. Like there should really be a parody done where it's like modern day, like eighties movies and he's running up and he gets running up. I just got to tell her I love her. No, you're not. Yeah. Sorry. Stop. <laughs> not security, buddy. Let me take your shoes off. Let me see your feet. Let me make sure there's no bombs in your shoes. They won't even let you go through security. Even if, even if you get cleared, they won't, unless you have a boarding pass, you can't even go in anymore. Like yeah. people don't realize, especially younger people, like you could go anywhere in an airport. You could walk anywhere. You could go to any store. You could go to any restaurant. I mean, air, yeah. airports were kind of the place to be. People hung out there. I actually thought I mentioned that in my sermon. People hung out in airports. <laughs> They'd walk around. You know, you'd see the Harry Krishna tapping his tambourine with his, you know, Roman garbs on and walking around and whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's just, it. things were never the same. You know, the TSA started after 9-11. The Department of Homeland Security started after 9-11. Yeah. Um, we became more and, and, of a police state. And, and, right. And so that became a contention with where do we weigh the rights of our freedom and like our, our need for our, our safety, right? Our need yeah. for security. And how do we weigh those two, right? So and the whole Snowden issue that occurred and all that, like, hey, we're spying on American people. Well, that's invading on my privacy you can't do that yeah. but i need to make sure you're safe 
Patriot like, Act. That's a very, yeah. very touchy subject for sure. Absolutely. It, it, and it, I mean, but it was a good, there was a lot of good that came out of it. Like it gave us time to think through the ethics of, and, and the moral issues of how much uh, security is too much. Mm-hmm. How much freedom is too much freedom? And how much hope do right. you put in that security? Right. Because it doesn't exactly. really, it doesn't stop a lot, man. There's been, I mean, they've shown that just because TSA is there, I mean, it may be, it's really just more of a visual deterrent. It's not, they, I don't know how much they actually catch. They they catch a lot of more than three ounces of bottles of water going through. They do that. You know, you got to give them credit for that. They'll, yeah. uh, you know, they'll do that, but. But if you do pre-check, you know, you don't even have to take your shoes off. So it's like, why doesn't, why can't everybody just do that? (laughs) You know, like, I don't know, man. I I have, so regardless of your, look, let me just preface this. Regardless of your opinion on 9-11, all right, regardless of what you think happened or what you believe happened or who was ultimately responsible, the fact of the matter is, is something in the United States happened that was significant enough to change the course of the world, really. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just because it happened in the U.S. all over the, the United oh. States. They're yeah. all over the world now. Security the way NATO like operated changed. Um, the way our allies operated changed. Yes. It, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a world-changing event. Yes. Um, yeah, it really shows that uh, it really it's made funny. us open our eyes and go, hey, maybe we're not that safe, right? Yeah, for sure. And then again, you know, how how secure are we truly and how much do we put our trust in those things? You know, just having a, a visual uh, sense of security, sometimes that's enough for some people, you know? That's enough. I feel pretty good about, you know, they're they're doing this and, you know, they're they're – uh, they're stopping people, you know, from bringing baby formula on board. Uh, but uh, ultimately, you know, uh, it, it was it was. And you know what? Really, the benefit here's here's what I would like to say. What I really appreciated about the post 9-11 stuff was America was f- f- just fully together. We were in it. We were in it no matter what there was. You could go. You couldn't go anywhere without seeing flags on the highways, yeah. on the cars. Everybody, the amount of people that went to church after 9/11 was astounding. Yeah. It was astounding. It was yeah. people were we we were vulnerable. We realized yeah. that we're not safe. You know, yeah. we and we tend to as people unite under tragedy. You know, unite under suffering. Um, it. And you see that within Christianity when, you know, when, when uh, persecution occurs, mm-hmm. it actually, the flourishing of the church, um, the it blossoms, right? Uh, the, the flower of the church blossoms. It's, it's beautiful. Um, but at the same time, it comes with obviously the tragedy of whatever that yeah. suffering or event was. Um, but there's a lot of awesome stories too about God's providence in the midst of that too. I would like yeah. to say that there, there's a lot of stories of people that said, you know, I was going to go to work that day. I work in one of the towers. I felt like I, you know, something was something was off, or I got called away to something else, and I didn't end up going, and yeah. I wasn't involved. So I mean, God's providence was involved in in that as oh, well. Yeah. So have I you seen the the Have you seen the cross, uh, the iron steel, like? 
the last thing standing was a cross no at, uh, at ground zero there's images of it online that like after everything was pulled away just this mm. steel structure that was left as a is in the shape of a cross wow um kind of beautiful but yeah well, god's, god's providence is definitely involved in everything right like it, he well, wouldn't of be course god if he if it wasn't <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and really, you know, it's it's easy for people to say, well, why would God allow something like that to happen? But, you know, God allows a lot of things to happen that we don't know or understand. Yeah. Uh, but we can look back on a lot of them and see God's providence. We can see what he's spared us from or saved us from. Or, uh, you know, I think that there was there was a midst of a revival uh, for the church. We saw a difference there. And then, you know, and it's been 20. I can't believe it's been 21 years, man. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's astounding to me. 21 Absolutely. years. Uh, that's a lot. I mean, talk about feeling my age and feeling like a little bit closer to God, but it's like, geez, Louise, man. Yeah. That's I'm a getting, long time ago. I'm getting old. I know. Yeah. I know you old. are. You're so old. You're just, yeah. One of the, so I was, I got a haircut on Saturday and the barber actually made me start crying. <laughs> Um, really? So yeah. So she's talking about her daughter. Was there? It's their only daughter. Um, and now that she's 16, she's like out of the house and everything. And she's, you know, talking about like the time she's missing now and how she didn't appreciate the time in the past. And I'm sitting here thinking of me as a dad. And I'm just like, like I I rush to get home to my daughter and my wife. And then when I'm home and I'm playing with her, I can give her like 20 minutes. And then I'm just like, done. And I'm like that. <laughs> That's just, yeah. I can only play restaurant so much. I can only right. chase yes. you around so much. And what sucks is like, I, I mean, I have to go to work. My wife gets to stay home with her every day, which is a great, it's a huge blessing. But I mean, so much of her life I miss. And then how much of my life am I putting into other things in order to provide for my family that I'm also missing out on her day to day? I don't know. And I've just... I don't know. She just kind of put things into perspective and just my eyes yes. just started glossing over. Yeah. Perspective is I'm not, because if I'm being honest, I'm not appreciating it like I should. And I'm trying to plan for the future. Yeah. yeah. None of us do, bro. And, and you know what? I, I can just tell you with confidence as a, uh, as a guy who's uh, raised a, a son already, who is, uh, you know, an adult and married and on his own. Uh, it's uh there are so many blessings in watching them grow up too. Don't worry about the missing out of things. Don't feel, don't beat yourself up too much because you will see the fruit of the effort that you put in as they get older and they're going to need you still. Your kids don't stop needing you or, or wanting to be around you when, when they're, I mean, I, I, I think if you love your kids and you exemplify Christ, they're not going to stop. If you're a dirtbag parent, which so many are, and you and I have both have that experience, right? We have parents that have, were not there for us that that could have done better. Uh, you know, I'm not like I love my dad and I love my mom, but I'm not going out of my way to spend a lot of extra time with them or whatever. But I look, my oldest son, he's here on the podcast watching. He comes to church with us. He comes over on Sundays to do his laundry. We play video games together. Like we we have an established relationship and that's only, it's simply because of Christ, man. It is not, it isn't me. Cause I failed. I can look back on specific moments in my life where I was like, I screwed that up with my boy. I screwed it up. And yet here he is, you know, it's just a, it's a testament to the Lord 
the Lord is the one that brings the restoration and he spares people from things. Uh, even when we think that like, ah, oh, you know, I yelled at my kid, he's never going to love me. Or, you know, I yelled at my daughter, she's never going to No, our kids are resilient. The Lord gives us grace. The Lord, the Lord is the one responsible for all of that anyway. It certainly isn't us. So. Absolutely. Yeah, man, I guess I just, uh, I guess I assume like, I don't really call my parents or talk to them that often. And I, I your I, relationship with your parents is not your relationship with your child. Right. It really isn't, man. And and the fact that you care enough about it, the fact that it's important to you is that's the difference, man. Your dad your dad didn't feel that way towards you. But you feel that way towards your daughter. That will reflect in her life going forward. And it makes a significant impact. So I really, I really encourage you and everybody that's listening that has young kids that are trying to figure this all out. You're going to screw stuff up. You're going to mess up. Just be there for your kids. Like Ashton said in the TikTok, just be there for your kids. Stay yeah. available. Help them where you can. And be, be honest with them. I mean, that's half of the thing is people like we have this thing, at least the way that I grew up is like my parents tried to hide everything. There was never issues. Oh, let's just put on an appearance of doing this or doing that. Like, they would try really hard. Like we'd go out and we'd have to be a certain way when we go out in public or we'd have to do this or whatever. And like, I didn't know my dad. I didn't know him even at a young age. I didn't know what he liked, what he didn't like, what he was into, all of this stuff. Like he was very just like, I'm I'm the father and I go to work, you know, and that that's it. So be, just be, be a, a, a parent, be friendly, be available, be open, be transparent with your kids. It's very, I think it's, it, that makes the difference, man. And, and never, never be afraid to uh, ask for their forgiveness and to admit when you've wronged them. That's the key. Tell them, Hey, dad messed up. I'm very sorry. I'm, I'm I like that. Don't that, ever that, be afraid. That teaches them, you know, how to, what up, Andrew? That teaches them how to forgive and show grace and Absolutely does. Yeah. Absolutely. Teaches them a behavior to display with their kids. And I love that. Yeah. Um, so you want to get into this video? Yeah, let's get into the video. If you guys are watching on TikTok, you're going to have to move your way over to YouTube if you want to watch this video. But we have a – Logan sent it to me. Now, I haven't watched it yet because I actually wanted to react to it fresh. <laughs> oh, you <But> haven't? <laughs> no, I haven't watched it yet. But I knew oh, if you sent it, it you got to quit good. doing that. <laughs> Ashton says, nothing has helped me more. This is my son. Nothing has helped me more than seeing my parents struggle with issues. Because when I in inevitably struggle with the same stuff, I know where to go. Yeah. And yeah, you will powerful. inevitably repeat the same things because. And you will. We're, we're part of the same cultures. People have the same issues, same behaviors, uh, same arguments over money. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's, dude. It's, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah, it's all the, the same Bible pressures. All the same. Everything's the same. The things that we struggle with, you're going to struggle with. The next generation is going to struggle with. It may look a little different. We didn't have the internet when I was growing up, but it doesn't mean that we didn't struggle financially. You know, it hey, doesn't mean how, that. How old is your son? He's 19. He'll be 20 in February. Okay. Been married a year coming up on the 17th of this month. Congrats, Ashton. Good job. That's right. All right, let's. Uh, I got this. I got this queued up. Let's uh, let's bring it on to the screen for everyone on TikTok. In order to hear the video, you're going to have to go to the Doctrines of Rad on YouTube. Yeah, um, we are we'll live streaming right video. now. You can watch it with us. You e should be able to. Let me know if sixteen point five. Let me know if there is audio. If there's not, that's fine. But I can. 
doing this interview kind of like shows me like how little I actually knew about it. It's kind of scary. Hey guys, it's Kara Zupkis with Young America's Foundation. As the 21st anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks approaches, we're here at George Mason University where we're talking to students to see just how much they know about what actually happened on September 11th and if they think that their schools are doing a good enough job of teaching what happened on that tragic day. So do you know what major anniversary is coming up this weekend? I do not know. Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I'm definitely not really sure what's going on this weekend. I have no idea. Uh, this coming weekend, not Labor Day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do not. I do not. No. Not off the top of my head. No, I'm not aware. No, we do not <laughs> no. personally. Nope. Who attacked us on 9-11? Who attacked us? Um, what's the group called? ISIS. Um, ISIS, yeah. A terrorist? I don't know the exact name. I forgot. Okay. Um, I don't want to say the wrong. Iraq? Afghanistan? It was, uh, I believe... Um, a group of terrorists that hijacked a few planes, flew them into the Twin Towers. Osama bin Laden. It was the terrorist group, yeah. Okay. And do you know like what terrorist group? Not specifically. Yeah, do no. I, hold on, I just gotta think. One second. Oh yeah. Uh, I did know, I did. We were taught this. Do you know who attacked us on 9-11? Uh, very loosely, not really. Oh my god, I'm blanking on Osama bin Laden and the yeah. terrorist group. Yeah, it's yeah. a terrorist group i just can't remember do you know why they attacked us like what was their reasoning for attacking us i don't know necessarily the reason i mean they're just considered a terrorist group i guess that's all we really have on that uh i personally have no idea was it a retaliation of someone who was president at the time like bush revenge for i don't know the war they had back then I guess to terrorize, I don't know, I guess. Probably not. We try to bring our, our country down, I guess. Because one of the reasons Some, for that, trying to cause chaos. Wasn't born then. I don't know. I really don't know. It was uh, kind of a, what's it called? They're trying to uh, save kind of moral morals and everything, so something like that <laughs> we believe over uh wars um and things that uh people had going on between the both countries i don't know i know they were just <laughs> like <laughs> extremists or something about the government i don't know yeah or do you think that schools generally speaking are doing a good mm -hmm. enough job of teaching students about the importance of this anniversary and the significance of what happened that day um not really i remember only being taught about it twice once in like fifth grade the second time in ninth grade and since then i haven't really heard much at all about it so uh yeah i feel like um you can see i, I forgot everything so I, I they probably should you know teach just a little bit more about uh, what happened and why it's so important i think it for sure can be improved on i think it's just like taught as it happened and you should just know that it happened which is so unfortunate like right now like i can't give you a full-on answer about the event which is honestly quite tragic they don't really teach about it and like like doing this interview kind of like shows me like how little i actually knew about it it's kind of scary because it was such like a huge event that still is affecting the u.s i suppose not given i don't know so <laughs> i guess not i personally don't think so because I have no idea really the reasoning behind it. Uh, I haven't really heard of it much outside of like the anniversary of 9-11. So 
I feel like high school is not really doing much to educate the students. I kind of think there's a big issue of it becoming like moral panic in a way to marginalize a group of people. I don't believe so. We are currently too focused about the um, political correctness. Boom. Mm. So the that and that last portion that they they left it right at the end of the video because that's important, right? Mm. So in World War II, we created caricatures of Japanese and German people and the Nazis, and we demonized them. Yeah. Right. We 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 dehumaned them. We we made them less than human and created them to be evil, um, in order to. I guess just encourage the idea of war, right? So it's hard for human beings to kill other human beings unless we believe that they are inherently evil or wicked or must be stopped. Um, and so that same kind of propaganda occurred with 9-11. Um, we would have uh, uh, derogatory terms like Haji, uh, Talhead, um, right? We would use these terms to describe uh, the Islamic people or the Middle, uh, Middle East. Um, and it, it was a way of desensitizing uh, what we were doing, um, which is necessary for war because people naturally don't want to kill. We know that something about taking the life of another person is wrong. And I would say that's because they're made in the image of God, right? I know that Drew has value because of who he is uh, modeled after. Um, and something about a person's lights going out really affects us. Um, and. And that last portion is like we're over or too politically correct, right? So it's a counterbalance. Like, hey, you're this marginalized group of people in America are being demonized, and and, the, and there is a sense of racism and prejudice occurring in the United States against people uh, that are from the Middle East, and that was occurring was a lot, and that was equally wrong, yeah. right? Uh, there really. used to be a video when Vine was like really big, yeah. where somebody would dress up in. Um, you know, a Middle Eastern gown and outfit, and he would just run up and throw a suitcase and take off running. Well, people immediately thought it was a bomb. And we would always assume somebody dressed in a certain outfit was carrying a bomb, right? So it, 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 I understand. And have, yeah. It's just fear-based. I mean, you think about what the, I try to think of the spiritual uh, side of that. Not only was it divisive to to create these caricatures and really, we have this this weirdly justified racism towards the Islamic people in this country. Right. But it's also fear, man. It's like keep people afraid and then you can easily control them. Yeah. If, you, if you keep them like I, mean, I remember it, there were stories of, of uh, families, uh, Muslim families being screamed at on airplanes. They airplanes wouldn't take off for fear that one one of the people on the plane was going to blow it up. Um, I mean, it was just, and I think I've, I've shared this with you, man, like in the military at the time, bro, you think the propaganda was bad world, like America-wide? Oh. The military propaganda within like the way that we should look at these people, uh, it was, it. I mean, looking at it now from, from uh, being on the outside, I, I can't believe I bought into it. I can't yeah. believe I ever like, listened to it 
Yeah. So my drill sergeants, I, I came into the Army in 2008. Uh, 2009 is when we began COIN operations, right? So counterinsurgency. We realized real quickly that we were creating enemies out of the populations because of how yes. we were behaving um, it, with cultural issues that we were doing. Um, it, no reverence for their culture no, either. I mean, there is there's some war crimes that were committed by individuals within the United States military and our allies uh, that shouldn't have been occurring. But it was a um, there there was literally a, a I guess this breeding of hatred, um, and you you see those you you can go read about those accounts of what people have done, and it's it, kind of like the Milai massacre type of stuff, man. It, it just like hey. Um, that, that was a little bit different of an issue where you have uh, leadership telling people what to do um, versus individual uh, soldiers and Marines and sailors acting on their own behalf. Um, but yeah, like, and so I get, so I get the counterbalance, right? So I get the pushback, like, Hey, this marginalized group, we got to protect them. We got to kind of not so much focus on it. And what we end up doing is kind of just erasing this portion of our history. It's not a national holiday. Um, for right. whatever reason, right? It's not it's not celebrated or special like a, uh, we. It, I mean, kind of the same thing with Pearl Harbor, right? We still, I think, we do a lot more for Pearl Harbor than we do for 9/11, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, I think there is this woke culture that prevents like this political correctness. You need to be politically correct, and what it ends up doing is, uh, subsequently, it uh, devalues what actually occurred, right? Now, the reasons we went to Iraq are up for debate, and sure. um, those are issues in and of themselves. But so just here's some stats. So on September 11, 2001, uh, 2,977 people were killed. 19 hijackers from Al-Qaeda um, committed uh, murder-suicide uh, bombings, right? So they flew the planes into the World Trade Center. Um, at first, people didn't realize what it was. It was like, oh, it was a small commercial plane yeah. yeah 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 like oh but when the second one hit you can really see like the news like cnn like hey is this purposeful or are these accidents because it's it's one thing for one to happen but two um and then obviously the pentagon gets hit and then the plane that crashes um on its way to the white house yeah Bro, um, i i was in gitmo i did two really? tours in gitmo. i i i guarded the 9-11 hijackers no kidding no kidding man it's on my award from the place that i was uh from the the camp that i was in i had wow. day to day for six months intimate experience with those guys okay wow that's, I, that's right it was military police that would have been a detail of yours because you guys you operate with all military police yeah. like, we took together. over we, for the army we the army was yeah. uh because we were still deploying guys to afghanistan uh, the, the Navy, the, the army was like, Hey, look, we are overtasked. We need somebody to come in and fill the spot. So the Navy police came in and actually took over the, the camps. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. Yep. What was your, what was your thoughts? Right. You're looking into the eyes of the persons, um, who <sighs> are directly linked. It's, uh, it's crazy now to think, back. like I said, man, it's crazy now to think back because I would say a good majority of the people there were farmers that had nothing to do with anything, especially the first time I was there, it was mostly just the general population. Uh, but the second time I went back, I was in, I was in the, the, the higher camps, you know, and that was part of the detail that I was in. 
Um, oh, you got a kitty there too. Um, I think the frustrating part for me was uh, it just felt like we were just, they were just there. Like what, what were we doing? Like it, 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 awaiting some sort of trial. Like it was very unclear. Uh, it was, it was just a, it was such an interesting thing because, you know, part of you're, you're trained to kind of like, you are trained to kind of think of them as less than human uh, in some ways, because uh, you know, you are, are your job is to manage their food schedule, their uh, recreation time schedule. And that's it. And then you put up with the abuses of the of the detainees. You put up with whatever they literally throw at you. And sometimes it was uh, common body fluid. Other times it was less than common body fluid, but they were still throwing things at you. Uh, so uh, we also, you know, one one of the things that, that was very important for us was to keep them alive. Some of yeah. them would try to kill themselves. Some of them would try to hang themselves. They would try to find ways to cut themselves to so they could bleed to death you know they didn't want to be there uh we would have to keep them alive we would have to to preserve their life so um man it's just how do you how do you deal with that i don't think that i've really quite frankly i don't think i've given it much thought at all i don't think i've really i've kind of just was like i was doing my duty uh i don't think about it very much so even having this conversation it's kind of it feels like such a, a a long time ago in a galaxy far far away you know, mm. it doesn't uh, it doesn't register that that was that was the significance that I was there. So uh, but uh, I can safely say that uh, I, I never did anything that I would look back on and feel like I needed to repent for or regret. I, I just I did my duty. Uh, I tried to be as reasonable and as honorable as possible to every person that I was charged over guarding, uh, regardless of how bad they were or good they were. I mean, I it wasn't my place to judge. It was only my place to make sure that they kept that we kept them alive, that they ate their food, you know, that we were feeding them and that they would have their their time to go out and exercise and, and get some, you know, recreation time. That was really it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, I'm, it's just so crazy that you were that there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the remaining co-conspirators. And it was I think mostly the uh, it was some of the financial backers. Uh, some of those that were involved, there were a few, uh, there were a few, gr you know, probably grunt type folks. Uh, the 19th, what is it? The 19th? I, wasn't there, how many was there that we, was it 18? There was. What? 19 hijackers? Hijacker. Yeah. Yeah, there's 19. Was it, so, so the 20th hijacker that didn't make it, that didn't get onto a plane was there. The guy wow. that was supposed to be on a plane that didn't end up on a plane was there. Nice. So, uh, okay. yeah. So, uh, I tell you what, dude, like a, a very fascinating time in my life, uh, in the past. And, uh, I, uh, man, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful the Lord has preserved me, but I've had some, I've had some PTSD from some of that stuff. I used to, I used to have dreams that, uh, that no I'd be kidding. working, I'd be walking the block and, uh, one of them would get out and, and in my dream, they would kill one of the other guards. And it was just like, I remember I couldn't sleep very well. I was on Ambien back then because I, I couldn't go to sleep. I just, it was like, I would have these terrible nightmares of, of these horrific things happening uh, because, you know, and that's what they train you to. They're like, well, you know, at any moment they could get out there and try to kill you, you know, at any moment, if you give them a leeway and it may be true, you know, but I wasn't going to find out. I wasn't going to find out <laughs> if it was true or not. Like I wanted to go home to my <laughs> like it. 
<laughs> it's not like you're like, hey, are you gonna kill me if I, right. if I open this door? Are you, are you gonna? You, but there were some guys. I will say there were some guys. I had some interesting conversations with a few of the first time I was there was, was in 2005, and uh, that was pretty early, uh, pretty pretty quick after you know as they were rounding people up. And they, I think the way that they did it was they would they would detain them in camps over in Iraq. Uh, for a while and until they could determine, well, this is a person of higher value. And then they would send them to Guantanamo Bay. And uh, so there were, I can say that there was a few, there were a few detainees that I just had, you know, regular conversations about. I talked to them about Jesus. You know, I was a Christian back then. Uh, we would have conversations. They'd ask, you know, if I had faith and I would talk to them about Jesus and uh, say that I had faith in, in God, Yahweh God. And um, you know, you, you can you never want to get too close because you don't really know the motives of them. But at the same time, you know, I'm spending a 12 hour watch sitting in a booth watching these guys uh, just monitoring them. So, you know, you get into conversations, you have uh, different things. And uh, yeah, it's just crazy, bro. Just very, uh, very <laughs> bizarre that that I, that was even part of my life. So I. Obviously, there were some. So here, here's an interesting story. So uh, 2014 into 2015, I am at Ibolic, uh, which is a, a like infantry officer school for lieutenants, right? So once we get our commission, this is our first stop, and you know to be trained on how to do our job. Uh, and we would work uh, alongside. We'd have students from uh, Jordan, so lieutenants from Jordan, from Iraq, yeah. um, Saudi Arabia, so other other militaries that we have partnered with yeah uh, they would send their lieutenants or even captains to us um well, first lieutenant second lieutenant um to us and uh they would get trained and i remember we had a new trainer come in a new captain come in and he's he sees them and like i i hear him from a distance down the hallway just saying some profanities he's mm. like this is a, a bunch of you know a bunch of words and then i spent my youth killing these mother you know, continues. And now I got to train them on how to kill us. Uh, so that, wow. so in, in his mind, right, that racism and that prejudice was still there on these guys are the enemy, you know, although, it, you know, this is 2014, we now have partnered with reestablished a new government uh, in Iraq and um, partnered with other countries in the Middle East in order to um, basically build them up to defend themselves, right? Yeah, uh, But in his mind, he could not get past that to the point that what he did was defiant. Like any, any one of us could have reported him right then and there. Yeah. Um, and I think somebody actually ended up reporting him to the battalion commander about um, his issues. So, yeah, it, it could have long-term effects. Lots of, I mean, think about it, man. There was a lot, there was a lot of abuse. Uh, I, you know, and I think, you know, there was – it's unfortunate that the government put our guys through this because they trained us to think a certain way. And when we just acted the way that they trained us to act, then we were punished for it. You know, there was, yeah. uh, especially cause there was a lot, bro, when it comes to like contractors and Blackwater and all that crazy stuff, like there were people that were committing so many atrocities and so many abuses over there. Um, you know, we, there were, there was the, remember Abu Ghraib? I mean, that was a, a, a major issue of this, you know, absolute mistreatment of detainees. Uh, yeah. There were some, there were, there were some uh, special forces people that got involved in that. 
Um, and the whistleblower for that was a, a Navy master at arms with the same rank as or the same uh, rate as me. So uh, and I actually knew the guy. I actually met him when I was in, in Virginia. Uh, he's a young kid, but he was the whistleblower. He was the guy that said, hey, this is this is not OK. He was attached to one of the SEAL units that were there and he he, he blew the whistle. He said, this is too much. This is not this is not in accordance to what I've been trained. So there were lots of people that were, uh, you know, honorable that stepped up to do the right thing. Um, but there was a lot of uh, a lot of injustice, too, man. There was a lot of bad stuff yeah. that happened. So, um, yeah, I, and I get that. Um, so, where was going to go with this? Um, yeah, I completely lost my train of thought on uh on the, the whole whistleblower thing. Oh, no. So where can we go to war without uh, the propaganda and creating the enemy to be more than they are? Um, there was a study done that when they asked soldiers if they were shooting at the enemy, um, they confessed that they weren't. They were shooting high or shooting low on purpose, um, just hoping that the enemy would get scared and run away. Mm-hmm. But they, they did not want to kill. So I don't know if there is an opportunity for two nations of people to go to war without creating this uh, this fear and hysteria and this racism, this prejudice uh, against uh, an entire group of people, right? So obviously we were we were there to fight terrorism and terrorists, and that's how we we push it. We're not there to fight Islam, um, but but it sure turned some, into that. It, it sure did turn into a. Uh, and what what we saw was like 2005 with like this this Christian Islam tension. Yes. Um, yes. And you saw that you saw that in pulpits. Yeah. You saw that, uh, and that, and that's just absolutely uh, uh, wrong. It's, it's it's significantly wrong, right? So like, I am not an enemy. We like Islam is not my enemy, right? They're they're not my friend like, as a religion, right? But they're not my enemy. I'm here to teach them and hopefully encourage them to come to Jesus Christ. If they, if they choose not to do that, then let us live in, in peace. Right. Yes. Um, Sproul yeah. wrote a book, which is interesting. Now I still have, it's called the dark side of Islam Sproul. And uh, he, he teamed up with somebody. Uh, Salib, I think was the last name, but uh, that's just crazy to think, man, like the, everyone started to buy into it and it was, it just became this, like, I, I wish that I was, I kind of wish that I was a civilian back then to be able to see the way that the church, I, I have, I suspect that the church was, was acting probably about the same way that they're acting when it comes to Biden and Trump and, and all the other stuff that's going on in our country. Like, but to think about that, right. So just yeah. last week, right. We're talking about fear mongering yes. in order to uh, obtain power. What did Biden do? Right. He created an enemy. Right. He he didn't say the Republicans, but he said the MAGA Republicans have hijacked and um, taken over the Republican Party. He's created an enemy yes. in order to inspire and instill fear yep. into the Democratic voters. Yep. Right. And and the American people. Um, it, it was trash, man. So yeah, this was a. And you know what? And it's not just because it's Biden, guys. Like, let's be clear. If anybody were to be making that statement, we would absolutely be calling them out. This is not a Trump thing. This is not a uh, I don't vote anymore, guys. So you don't have to worry about me. I don't care about any of that stuff. 
Man, I just love nice. Jesus. There we go. But you're right, dude. Look, it's it's you know even if it's not a an us v them thing, it's still a continual fear. And and here's the problem that I see on the right side of things too is that, uh, and I don't mean the right side like the correct side. I mean like the right, like the the the, the conservatives, the Republicans. Oh, they yeah. are using these same things to d- divide and create fear amongst their own side as well. And people are feeling it, man. People in the church are feeling it. Pastors are feeling it. Like, uh, and there's a generation of people, the boomer generation is really tied into the government and politics. And uh, we were having this conversation at lunch today where, you know, they were, a lot of them are coming, they, they were children during World War II, possibly, or at least they had a very close relationship with their parents after World War II going into Vietnam. There was some, there was Korean conflict. There's the Gulf War one and two, like the, this generation of, of older people, they're just so engrossed into politics that it can, it can very easily become a a point of, of idolatry because they're, if it affects you, if it affects you the way like that God should be affecting you, if it, if it causes you to feel sad or to feel sick to your stomach or whatever, it's like, that's the enemy guys. Like that's the, that's the devil. That's division. That's, that's a, you know, that's not a godly, you know, the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power right? It's creating a spirit of fear. Yeah. Yes. And it's going to divide the church. And we have to, as Christians, we have to stand against that. We really need to be, we should be the ones as believers we should be the ones that are going into these situations and speaking life to the situations, not yeah. creating further fear, but speaking peace, speaking yeah. calm, like bringing in a rationale of what does scripture say? What does God say? Not what is going on and, oh, it's all going to, it's all going to hell. It's all going to burn. It's all good. No, it's like, what does the Lord say? Like, hey, you know, there is not one time in any of the Bible that there was a democracy. There was no such thing as democracy in scripture nothing the people of god had to live under rule of dictators and roman emperors and caesars and all of this other stuff there was no voting monarchy right of which of which god was the uh the supreme ruler right until obviously the people wanted their own king because all the other nations wanted a king then saul gets it obviously takes because he's the tallest position (laughs) but he just was real tall that's how crazy. That's how stupid we are, guys. That's how stupid we are, as human beings. We just uh, like we want a king, and God's like, "You don't need a king. You got me." And we're like, "No, we want a king." Like God, all the other nations have a king. All the other nations have a king. We're like, "Okay, well, who do you want as king?" Uh, he's uh, that guy. Yeah. That guy over there. He's look. He's tall. He looks like he's pretty good. Let's just pick him. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, those are the same people that were worshiping the golden calf as. My- as Moses was up getting the law. So exactly, man. So, so, uh, as believers and voting and politics, um, what do you, what is your recommendation? How should we, uh, talk about it in the church? How should we talk yeah. about it with people? Bro, at we work? were so funny. We were talking about this at lunch. This is literally coming back full circle. Uh, it makes sense that you did. I mean, yeah. uh, what day it is. And then, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I do think that uh, I think was it that, with Todd. Who's Todd? Tom. Tom, Pastor Tom. No, we yeah. actually went out with our uh, with my brother-in-law and his wife and kids. Gotcha. Uh, so um, we 
I think we kind of concluded it's like it is I think Christians do have an obligation to speak out to speak truth about what is going on. I think we have to there are cultural things that we must address from the pulpit. That's important. Um, because we are looking for a we we look we're, we're looking for guidance. You know, that's why pastors have been given that calling is to lead people. So uh, there needs to be it needs to come in truth. It needs to be obviously in, it needs to be Christ centered. Um, but it's better to at least let people know where you stand than to be morally ambiguous. That's yeah. not good. either. I think there's more danger in not knowing like where to stand on certain issues. And so um, there are, and I, I, I would take Jeff Durbin's kind of uh, mentality. Like when it comes to abortion, Christians should be on the front line. Oh, That's yeah. a political issue. We should be yeah. speaking truth to life. We should be uh, standing in front of those places and, and demanding a change uh, in our government. So we, we do have a, a voice and I think that that voice is important, but I think that, what we need to do is if, if that becomes our first thing, that our primary thing, then we're doing it wrong. We need to, it needs to be Christ and him crucified. Just like I said at the end of my sermon, man, Paul, after all of that, what does Paul say? I pretend to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. Yeah, I was, dude, so I was just about to say, like, at the end of the day, I don't know anything other than Christ and him crucified. If I can, if I can boast about anything, right, like what like you were explaining today, um, or if I could just say anything uh, without getting into the weeds of stuff. Like I, last night I got into, uh, I got pretty heated on TikTok, which I have never done um, with these Catholic uh, people. Uh, there, 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 there's an uprising. There are a lot of Catholics taking to TikTok right now. Yeah. But so what happened was, is uh, I, I realized in myself that I, I don't have as much patience for people who confess Jesus as Lord. Um, and I see a distortion in the gospel or what I believe to be a distortion in the gospel. And I, ah, man. So, so remember, uh, episode 16 last week. Um, I, I had to publicly apologize last night. Uh, cause this, every time I responded to this kid or this gentleman, um, it was just like, kind of like as if he was just ignoring what I was saying and just trying to make his point. And I'm like, you're not listening, man. Um, and it caused me to get frustrated. And then obviously my, my attitude started to show, um, which has never happened, but I don't tend to do that or have that kind of response with Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, atheists, agnostics. I'm more, I'm more humble to just meet them where they are versus somebody who is confessing Jesus as Lord. And like Mormons and Jehovah's witness, I've had the same attitude kick on. Um, I don't know if it was sinful or just Mm. maybe I just need to sit back and have some patience in, in the midst of it. Um, but we expect Christians to know better. I like that. She just said that on my scissor tail just said that yeah. in my, we expect Christians to know better people that yeah, claim we, Christ we expect them to know better. But I, I have that new policy now after thinking about it last night that I am not going to get into a conversation with somebody unless I can give them the gospel first. Hey, before we talk about <laughs> church yes, history, sir. before we talk about science and God or the age of the earth or any of these if Calvinism, whatever you guys want to talk about, I want to first talk about the gospel. Um, yes. Now, if, if if I can if I can just get you give me give me two minutes to present the gospel to you, whether you uh, whether you like it or not, like I'm not going to continue on in this conversation about my my uh, spiritual beliefs, my religion. If you don't accept that offer of the gospel first, because I can't. If, if yeah, I exactly, so if I argue everything else, and I have not mentioned the gospel once. 
then I, I've, I've wasted my time. Yes. Um, I agree, bro. <laughs> Andrew said, I only need one minute. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Humble yourself, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's going to get humbled tomorrow. Tomorrow's episode. Oh, yeah. He's coming. He's going to be on the podcast. Uh, yeah. Rissa says, Logan, your responses were reasonable. So be encouraged. Sounds like. Uh, Thanks, Rissa. So, uh, yeah, dude, look, it, it, you know, do you. We were talking about it on episode 16. We were talking about Jonah and some of the frustrations that we have as someone who represents Christ but is doing things that are that we consider to be uh, irre- irreverent towards the gospel, towards God. Um, and, you know, you saw me with my frustration, my righteous yeah. anger towards that, and you know, and it's easy to do, dude. It's very easy. Which is why I never texted him because I know I would have an attitude the same way. Um, it, so hopefully he sees that episode. Um, but yeah, I think I think issues with him. Well, so yeah, I, I have I, for some reason there's a part of me like I have hope for this guy. <laughs> well, and that, and that could be the you know there's a there is a there is a, a familiar in a good way a familiar spirit right. So there's yeah. you know the Holy Spirit does help us to recognize like you know like I say if I can see it in your eyes I can tell if you're saved. But I think. Uh, I think there is a there's a familiarity when when the Holy Spirit recognizes the Holy Spirit in someone else. Like we can see that we can pick up on it a little bit um, and kind of identify that. So it, it's likely and and my guess with Jonah, and that's why I actually ha- I still have confidence in Jonah. Like I just think he's young. I'm not going to call him an her- a heretic. I don't believe that about him. I think he's young. I think he's impressionable. Uh, and I think a lot of us have have had those moments in our lives that we've been you know, well, hey, I could go this route and get a little popularity and then, you know, tickle some ears and people like me. You know, it, it's some people don't want to be offensive. Some people are afraid that, you know, well, if I, I might lose my audience completely. Uh, and so that's just a matter of growth and maturity. And and it's likely that uh, guys like Jonah will will grow out of that. You know, they'll just like my, you know, my kids when they're 12 are different from when they're 20. You know, yeah. they grow out of the attitudes. They grow out of the, the certain things. So uh, me at 31 is a very different person than me at 21. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, yeah uh, as a Christian, right? Specifically as a Christian. Yeah. I've grown tremendously. Absolutely, um, man. I think that was good counsel, though, on how we should behave as believers. Like, So what does Jeff Durbin say? He says, uh, speak to the government like the prophets say what yes. the prophets said and do what the prophets did yeah. right to have that reverence and that that stance like this is god's kingdom regardless if you think it's yours or not it's his and you will not you will not destroy the imago dei in the womb end of story right and we we need to speak uh with that with that affirmation with that firm stance that god is real right christ did resurrect he is, it isn't God, like Jesus is, is Lord, Jesus is King, Jesus, he is all those things, but Jesus is alive. Yes. Right? Our, the, the weightiness of that, that statement that he, he rose from the dead is so critical. And we, we kind of dance around it in our culture. We don't walk around and act like, you know, when I would just tell my wife yesterday was like, I, my favorite thing to talk about with people is Jesus. Yes. Um, and there's oftentimes where I'm putting like social like situations where it, it probably ain't appropriate to talk about Jesus just because of the, the demeanor of the people at the time. 
Mm. Uh, but at least I can build a relationship so that when we're outside of that setting, um, I, we could have a, a deeper conversation, right? And at least present um, present the idea, the, be an ambassador for Christ as much as possible. But the number one thing I want to talk about is Jesus mm. everywhere I go. Um, and for some reason, even I feel this, I don't know about you, but I feel this social pressure of not wanting to do that. Mm. Or, or not not to do that to to offend or to to make somebody feel uncomfortable. Well, so what if you feel uncomfortable? You just heard the gospel. You you just heard truth. Uh, hopefully, it changed your life, right? Uh, yeah. There's this there's this guy at the rec center where I train my classes, um, and I I believe the rec center is going to ask this gentleman to kind of tone it down because he sits at a bike right at the entryway into the gym, and he kind of just like bombards people with the gospel or, or just with, you know, talking about Jesus to the point that they can't go and work out or um, it, it, I think his, his tact at which he presents it might be a little off putting. Um, so I asked him, Hey, let me, let me know who it is. If he's here when I'm here and I'd love to talk to him, just kind of mm. put things in a perspective for him. Like you're actually pushing people away, but yeah. I mean, at least he's, at least he's standing firm. Like right? He's probably, huh? He's probably a Calvinist. He doesn't, probably- care. he doesn't care who he offends. Like the, those that get saved are going to get saved. I don't care. I'm just pretty <laughs> Kick me out. I'll go to the next place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I think, I think we have a, uh, Hey, Blake, I'm a Calvinist too. Don't get, uh, don't get mad at it. But he's like, Hey, now uh, I, I just, uh, Perfect. I think you're right, man. The, the gospel is enough to stand on its own. It doesn't need yeah. to be churched up. It doesn't need to. It doesn't need to be uh, flowery. Uh, it doesn't need to be filled. Like Paul says, I, I, I came. I didn't come with fancy words. You know, it's, it's, it's just. It's simply that this is the truth, and uh, yeah, and philosophies and all this stuff. Like, there's a time and a place for it. I, I really agree. I mean, I think there are people that are gifted to be street preachers, bro. Like that's a. The, the, the prophets were out there doing the same things, you know, putting themselves in, in sacks and ash and sackcloth and ash and, uh, you know, yelling at the gates of the temple and, and whatever. It's like uh, there's a place for that. There's a time for that. Uh, but I would say for the ordinary person, like it's it really interesting. I was reading to my kids. I was reading an Acts uh, either five or six recently. And there was a, a very small blip in the scripture that was, that really stood out to me. And it said something along the lines of it. Uh, they were gathered together and there was a lot of them together, but only the apostles were going and doing the preaching. There were others that stayed behind. And it was something like that. It said something like that, right? Uh, the, the apostles would go in, but only that, but others, some of the others stayed behind. And I do think that there are people that are Christians that are just uh, wonderfully blessed uh, and called to be right where they're at, to yeah. not go into the temple, right? Absolutely. You know, your that, ministry is at home. Your ministry is wherever you are. It's It may be among the Christians, but it isn't to preach and it's not to be the one that's calling out things. But yeah. for some of us, like you and me probably have a more of an unction to like, I feel like I need to say stuff. I feel like I yeah. need to go out there. Yeah, I do. I really do. Like I, like she, I was telling my wife, like, Hey, I, you know, you know that I like attention and my wife doesn't, she doesn't want any spotlight on her. Same with um, Rachel. And yeah. I, and I, and I have to pray like before I take the stage, like you did today, like that was a wonderful prayer. Like, Hey, get me out of the way. I let it be just you. Um, 
before I take the stage every time I have to do that because I, I know that I like the attention, but it's that same, uh, I guess, personality trait that gives me the courage to get on stage and preach boldly yeah. without, I, I, it, I don't have a fear of public speaking, right? right. I mean, I'd love to get up and talk just to, just to talk. <laughs> yes, bro. It, I could have gone for like two more hours. I could have yeah. been talking about the same thing. I had to, I had to watch the time. I don't know if I you saw know. that. I, I had that. to like, I was like, oh shoot. Like I, I went too long in my testimony. I needed to like catch up on all, I had 12 slides, you know, I needed to, <laughs> to hit them. But I, and oh man, like I, I could, and I even had a young man that is in my young adult group that uh, came, came up afterwards. And he's like, I didn't even notice how long you were going. He's like, you could have kept talking and I wouldn't have had any idea. And I'm yeah, like, I'm not going to lie. I, Praise God. I, uh, I kind of got zoned into your story. Um, yeah. You, you just yeah. kind of holding the presence, uh, stage, stage placement, all of it. You did very well. Very well. Thanks, man. Wow. That, well, yeah. you know, that it means more coming from you than it would the average person, honestly. And I really Thanks. appreciate that. That's, uh, cause you I, I that, know guys, you I'm important is what he said. Yes. Well, you've I been mean in that, something to him <laughs> and you've been in that position. So, you know, you understand what it's like to be up there. I honestly, bro, I'll tell you, I don't remember half of what I said. Like it just was, it, I was in whatever zone the Lord was just giving me the words. You know, I think of Stephen and the guys that were in the temple making, you know, talking to the high priest saying, look, you know, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit gave them the words. He, he was there to give them the things to say to the people. And that's, that was my prayer is just like you said, get, get me out of the way. Like right. I, I, I love the attention. I love the fact that people love the, the preaching. But that's the problem is like I have to I have to tear that down because I can't I can't a I can't live in that. Right. But the glory if I glory in that, then I'm I'm robbing God is the way I look at it. Absolutely. I'm robbing God if it becomes about me. I'm just grateful that someone there could have heard the word. And I pray that the Lord did whatever he was going to do to with the with his body. It's his yeah. body. It's not my. It's not my body of believers. It's his. So yeah. Um, so so one of the things that helps me with that is I I I, I express that honestly as a flaw, right? And I, I tell everyone that like I like attention, which isn't a good thing. But it, but there are good things that come from that, and that kind of keeps me in a place of where I, I I constantly remind myself to to be weary of that uh, potential for me to make an idol out of myself doing God's work. Um, you see that same issue with uh, worship leaders and yes. uh, people with talents uh, doing yes. music, right? It becomes about their singing or their ability to play the drums or guitar. Yeah. And um, you see that in their meetings and how they talk to each other. Like, well, I'm the lead singer, I'm the worship leader. And you're like, hey man, you're forgetting that this is about like us worshiping God with a as a, as a community of believers, right? Corporately coming together. It's not about your ability to sing because honestly, as long there could be some woman in the audience who can't sing at all, but she's given God everything you got or she's got. And I mean, he's going to hear that a lot more than your, you know, tainted heart of, of attention. So, mm. um, you gotta it, it, honestly pray for your worship team, pray, pray for them as yeah. well. Right. Yeah. Pray for your I'd pastor. It, it, it's true. I mean, I think that's that's what I want to be honest about here is to I don't want to put on a facade. I don't want you to think that that uh, well, I'm just so humble. Like, no, it, it feels good to to get good, 
feedback. It feels good for somebody to be like, man, that really preached to me. Cause it, yeah. it in some ways, you know, the, the, the spiritual side of it is, well, I'm glad that the Lord used me. I'm glad that I could be used as a, as a vessel for, for him. Yeah. Uh, but the, the flesh side of it, which exists is, well, I am a good speaker. I am <laughs> that everybody wants to hear. Right. And it's I, like, I totally crushed that sermon this morning. It was, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, and you have to you have to throw those things off. You have to to tear down those high places in your own life. And that's that is the goal as Christians is what we should be looking often at. What are our intentions? What are we doing? What is and that maybe that's why I get frustrated at like Jonah is like I feel like, man, he's just he's got the right. He's got the right intellect. He just has the wrong intent. And it's or or he's got a flawed intent. Maybe I wouldn't even say a wrong intent, just a flawed yes. intent, you know, and and I have flawed intents, you know, somebody. And and quite frankly, man, like I love when you tell me like you call me out when, when you called me out on my anger and stuff like that. Right. Like I love I want that. I want I want to be rebuked when I'm acting a fool and I'm making because, look, I'm I am so fearful of God's judgment I can withstand man's judgments. I can withstand some negative feedback and criticism because I'd rather it be a refining t- towards the Lord than me walking myself and walking everybody with me into, into hell. I don't want that. I don't, man, I, that scares me more than anything else is leading someone astray. Are you kidding me? That's terrifying to me that I might yeah. lead someone astray, cause someone to go sin or cause someone to just give up on God. Like, uh, to say the wrong thing and, and lead them down the path of destruction. Like, Oh man, how scary is that? God forbid. And I, so that, that is the same reason why I constantly evaluate and reevaluate my, my, my doctrine and my position. Like I've done that with Calvinism. I've done that with, well, why, why am I not Eastern Orthodox? Right. Like, why am I not Catholic? Right. right. And I, I, and I dig into those things and I, why I am I not like, more observant? I, that's an honest question. You should I, be asking I have, because of TikTok and the amount of tour observers that uh, I, I build relationships with, I'm like, well, maybe they're onto something here. Am I wrong? Right. You know, and I have to evaluate them because I have a fear of like this podcast taking everyone to hell with me. If I, if I'm wrong. Yeah, dude. I'm, no, that's true, man. Praise God. We are both on the same page. hundred yeah. percent. Yes. But I think us having thoughts like that and even a willingness to humble ourselves and say, you know, but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Let me change positions and keep moving the kingdom of God forward is a is a sign of the spirit within us. Uh, Yeah. Be teachable, man. You know, like just be be teachable. Uh, James tells us to be slow to speak and be quick to hear. So uh, there's something to be said and really in 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 doing that practically on a day to day basis. Just be slow to speak. Yeah, and Priscilla, I'm not saying open-minded is in the sense of, like, I'm just going to be uh, tolerant to everything coming in, but at least a desire to to learn the opposing side um, and figure out why my position is what it is uh, in, in in the shadow of those opposing positions to make sure that, you know, I'm, I am leading people uh, with an honest heart to the kingdom of God as much as possible. Um, yeah, what do you say? We, we have to like, so again, going back to that fine line between like pride, ego and everything else, like we also have to have confidence in the message that we present, right? So there has to be a level of knowing what we're talking about. And, and that can, for some people that can come across as arrogant or, or wrong or, you know, self-righteous or whatever, but 
we have to, I mean, look at, look at what Paul says. If anybody has confidence to boast in the flesh, it would be me, right? But we're not doing that. And instead we are boasting in what Christ did on the cross. So it doesn't say don't boast. It just says to boast in the right thing, which is what Christ did for us. That is where we get our joy. That is our celebration. That mm. is our, that is our bragging. You know, it's mm. easy to brag about like, Oh, look what I did. I, I, I preached a good sermon. No, look what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. Man, Cause that is what saves you. Preach, preach. Come on, man. <laughs> That's right. Oh man. Um, yeah, man. Uh, so what you said earlier about, uh, you know, people just being, you know, having talents and, uh, being where they're at and just praising God and moving the kingdom. Uh, so I want to start, I'm, I've started writing a book called, uh, for the kingdom. Yes. Uh, awesome. And basically, basically the idea that, uh, that we see that, uh, whether it's eating or drinking all things you do for the glory of the Lord, right. Do everything for the glory of the Lord, which means what you do in your day-to-day job and what you but your, your conscience is in the right place, right? Because obviously contextually he's talking about the conscience of the individual. Um, but your your motives are to push the kingdom of God. So whether you're, you know, your taxes, you're, you're just somebody that does taxes, like that you're doing taxes for, uh, for Jesus and you're spreading the gospel as much as possible. You don't have to be a preacher or an evangelist or somebody that, you know, knows the whole Bible. Like, just yeah. do you know Jesus, and can you share your testimony and the love of what Christ has revealed to you to to others? Um, and and I feel like in in our cultural context today, uh, especially with the cancel culture wokeness, yeah. we have been told to shut up and sit down. Um, that we've been. And I'm not saying that we're persecuted in America, right. but we really have, like with the exit evangelical movement, with this idea of marginalized groups being persecuted, we as white, like evangelical Christians are not allowed to, to talk about certain topics because people don't want to hear it anymore. Well, too bad. Right. We need to continue to push the message regardless of how you feel Bro, um, I or at least how you perceive people feeling. I want to help you write that book, dude. Yeah, I want, I, appreciate it. I, I would love for you to help me write mine. I'm, 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 it's a, it's a thing that I've been trying to do for a long time. But it's about the, the five feet in your ministry. You know, you know. Oh, that's good. More ordinary ministry, ordinary life being a an extraordinary ministry. Yeah. Your ordinary life is an extraordinary ministry. And it's it's like we get so caught up in this, oh, I got to do this. I got to have a podcast. I got to have a website. Radical. I have a blog. Yeah. Yes. Well, and that's – so Radical was written by the David ordinary. Platt, yeah. And Ordinary was written by Michael Horton, which is fantastic. And that's actually what inspired me to do this five feet thing. So if you want to help me with my five uh, feet book uh, – I would love to. I want to help you if you will have me. Write this for the kingdom because that sounds amazing. Only, only if you write the forward for, for my book. Dude, I'll write whatever you want. All right. And Rachel has to agree to write the preface. Sure, she will. She's really good at grammar, actually. She's, she's, she's so, so man, and I, I say that Maybe like I'm actually. Doctrines of Rad Publishing. Like, we need to have a Doctrines of Rad uh, platform in order to, to we'll, put the we'll, books we'll out. Get a tu- we'll get a Tuesday. Well, you know what? Let's buy the Men of the Way podcast. We'll get them on Tuesday nights, right? We'll start. We'll just we'll just cre- we'll just create an entire ministry. How about that? Let's, let's start just <laughs> bringing them in, man. Let's just like, Blake is going to be our guy. He's going to be, he can write a book on post-millennialism. You know, Andrew, he'll do whatever Andrew does, you know, which isn't much, honestly. Uh, 
is he still in your life? He's not. I don't think so. But tomorrow's gonna be great. He's gonna watch. Yeah, he's gonna be on the podcast, guys. We gotta have him in. Um, yeah, man. But I've been trying to write that book and uh, a book on suffering. So uh, mm. carry your cross, right? Uh, wow. Yeah. And it's called keeping your hand can't hands up, right? So like in boxing, like the idea of keeping your hands in a specific place. Um, but there came a point in my life where um, my hands went from like constantly defending myself against the world around mm. me and like my my dad, right? Like yeah. that was an issue uh, yeah. to me just putting my hands up. I can get it and just like giving it all over to God and who he is. But I, and I've been trying to write both of these forever and my procrastination yeah, and laziness is just, and my busyness, right? You can get so busy that you actually cripple your ability for the kingdom. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's kind of the, the premise of that as well. Well, that's what everybody keeps telling me at the church. They're like, Drew, stop taking on so many responsibilities. Cause <laughs> I'm like, cause I was telling Rachel tonight, I was like, I want to do like, I want to do a weekly Bible study. Like I want to do like a Thursday night, like a two hour, like Bible session. Right. And she's like, slow down, sir. Like, <laughs> she's like, like, you need a job. You need a job. Go get this a job. This is my job, sir. This is my job. This is, I love it. This is great. This is what I, this is what I've been training my whole life for, dude is exactly yeah. what I'm doing right now. Uh, Kelly, yeah, you can, uh, it's on, I, I took the video and I put it onto the Doctrines of Rad uh, playlist uh, on the Drew's Vid playlist on the Doctrines of Rad channel on YouTube. So the church's, uh, the church's uh, channel a video, they recorded it today. So you can watch the sermon there. Please go and give me feedback. Let me know what you think. I really, I, it really is important to hear what you guys think. So um, we do need to wrap it up, brother. Uh, I yeah. do appreciate the, this. It's been a good, I love that we've talked about, we started with like some, we, we caught up a little bit so we don't have to catch up as much tomorrow, which is good. We can get right into bashing Andrew and punching him in the stomach. Uh, but we did some nine 11 talk and then we've, we've been able to talk a little bit about grace and the, the purposes of God. And I, uh, I think that's good. So um, we'll, I'll clip up some of this a little bit too and get it posted up. So let's rip yeah. it to shreds. <laughs> you want to close us out with the gospel? Now? Yeah, absolutely. So guys, uh, we have a creator God who has made us all uniquely and specifically for a purpose. And that creator God for the, for years past and history past and the ancient of days has had a plan in place that has been going on that we have been actively living out that history shows what God has been doing. And in that he has promised his people, a Messiah that would come and take away the sin of the world. And that Messiah came 2000 years ago. His name is Jesus. And those that are hearing the call, that feel that draw, that hear the words of God and are responding to it, put your trust in Christ. The Bible says that uh, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son and whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And what I beg you to do today and what I plead, and honest, this is, I desperately want you to do this, is to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. We're, we can't do it ourselves. We're messed up. Every time that we attempt to be righteous, every time that we attempt to be closer to God, we fail. The only way to do that, the only way to have reconciliation with our Father is to put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ alone. He promises that your sins will be as far as the East is from the West, removed from you. And that we can go and we can be an example and a light and a salt to the earth to make the world better. Make the, just make people's lives better. 
That's Jesus. So put your trust in him. Change your mind today. Change your mind. Look to Jesus and trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall be saved. That's it. There's no work. There's nothing you got to do. That's it. I know it's hard to believe. It sounds a little crazy, but that's it. It's foolishness. It's foolishness. God uses the, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And that's what you that's what you're you're hearing today is the gospel is foolishness to those that are perishing. But to those that hear it and respond to it, it is the gift of God for eternal life. So put your trust in Jesus. Amen. All right, guys. Love you all so much. Thank you for coming out for episode 16.5. We will be at here live tomorrow night at nine o'clock with Andrew Does Apologetics at be uh, so good. episode 17, The Andrew Factor. Uh, all right, so I'm going to say good night and goodbye to everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you, Logan, for coming in. See you, Thank bro. You for wanting to do this. I think it was good. Yeah. Um, closing all it right. out. Bye. All right.